Coming up on It's Time. You don't have to put your brain in neutral when you come into church. There's factual evidence for your faith. And that factual evidence, friends, is what allows us to have anchored in something rather than just being just drifting. Listening to It's Time with Pastor Mike Kessler, the pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. We're in the book of First Peter, and today Pastor Mike will be teaching from chapter two. Did you know that believing in Christ is not a blind faith? Although we're called to believe like a child, we're also called to give an explanation for the hope that lies within us. Do you know why you believe? Here's Pastor Mike. If it makes sense to you today that you're a sinner, that Jesus died in your place. That you will never go to heaven on your own merit. You being good on your own. You puffing yourself up with pride saying, well, I am certainly not as bad as the person that lives next door or those criminals. But when the gospel makes sense to you, realizing you're a sinner. And when you realize that one sin is sufficient to send us to our eternal damnation. Friends, you think about that for a minute. You go, man, it's a good thing there's an antidote called Jesus Christ that can forgive my sins. And take me to heaven. As we talked about this before, as the Bible says, we clothe ourselves in his righteousness. There's nothing about you and me that's righteous, but God's righteousness clothes us, wraps around us. And that's what makes us holy. Now, if that makes sense to you, the Lord's knocking on the door of your heart if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. If you are a Christian, God's affirming to you his promise and covenant to you that yes, as a matter of fact, your testimony, your life on this planet does matter. Observation, people looking at you and seeing over a period of time, is this person really what they say they are? You know, I've seen people that, that aren't Christian, uh, that, that aren't Christians as they observe even You might say sometimes a funky backslidden Christian realizes that even in that person that is maybe not always walking with the Lord the way they should, they realize that there's something there that troubles them when they sin. Maybe you've even seen that in your own life. That the things that you used to be able to go out and do before you were Christian and not maybe think twice about it, or you might have a little regret. I'll just jump in the shower, try to shower, wash it off. I'll feel okay in the morning. But what's weird is that After you become born again, you realize that now I go out and do those things, but there's no satisfaction in it. There's no, it wasn't the rush it used to be. You see, that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. A wise person listens to that. And again, as we go back to um, verse 11 again, beloved, I beg you as aliens or sojourners and pilgrims, abstain. Friends, this is all words. These are verbs that modify the noun, which would be you and me, saying, I want to encourage you, keep away from things that ruin your soul. Elementary, my dear Watson. But we forget, don't we? Because the devil is a master at repackaging sin. You say, well, there's the little song, The Who, we won't get fooled again. We do. It comes in different packages, in different forms, but it's the same lie. And you say, how can the devil be so smart? He's had 6,000 at least years of experience on how to snooker us as humans. 
And so to repackage old sin in a new, glossy, improved version, I'll tell you, friends, people still fall for it all the time. See, I believe that's one of the purposes of Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, anytime we get together for prayer or whatever, is to remind one another, encourage one another, see through the lie of the devil. Friends, you know right now, you know, I don't even have to stand up here and tell you what, what, uh, what aspect or angle the devil's working in your life. Because you know. And the problem is that without the Holy Spirit, we don't see through the veneer, we don't see through the primer, of what it really is. It looks good. The devil's a master at packaging destruction in a very beautiful appearance. I, I, I see that over and over again. If the devil came to you in, in, in a red suit with horns, selling fireworks, never mind. Sorry about that. I, you would recognize him a mile away. Hey, that looks like the devil. What gave it away? Maybe it was the pitchfork. That's something you don't see every day. I don't think he's a farmer with a bad sunburn. Hmm. And those little horns, does that keep his hat from flying off in the, on the tractor? What, what is this? You'd see him a hundred miles away, but you know what? He doesn't come to you like that, does he? He comes to you very illustrious. And you see, the problem is we don't recognize it. And he appeals to the flesh of us. If you go back to the story in the Garden of Eden, one of the things that, that the devil told Eve is, it says, you know it's beautiful to look at. He appealed to her flesh. And you know what about our flesh? It don't know what it wants. It don't. You, 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 you take anybody. Go into one of those basket of Robin 32 flavors. And all that's there. And there's so many flavors, so little time. And I want two scoops of that, three scoops of that. And we actually, some of us will eat it. And then the next day when we get on the scale, we go, shouldn't have done that. And you know what? We'll go back and do it again. We don't know what we want. That's the nature of man. And if you live your life after the flesh, you're going to always be trying to continually appease something that doesn't know what it wants. And so it's like a ship with the rudder broke off in the wind on the seas. It goes wherever the wind drifts it to. And see, when God gives you an anchor in your life, when God gives you something that you can hold on to, which you can navigate this life by, it makes all the difference. And so he tells us here, in the day of their visitation, they have actually seen in action a real Christian, you. Wow. You say, but Mike, this is hard to read this morning. Because I haven't always been a good illustration of what Jesus is i got some great news for you here this morning. Then go apologize. That will really shock them. Because before you came to Christ, you did whatever you wanted. You didn't care. If, they don't, if you don't like it, lump it. Well, now as a Christian, I have a conscience. And I'm saying, you know what? I think I really offended that person. And if I did, and I said some profanity or did something that was not characterized as something I would see Christ do, I go to that person and say, by the way, the other day I was having a bad day. It's not really an excuse. But I just want you to know that I was not operating as I should be. I wasn't living my life as a Christian. I didn't have the victory that day. Please forgive me. And they'll go, oh, it's okay, it's okay. But you know what? As they walk away, they go, this person thinks and cares. And in a world, friend, where people don't think and don't care, where road rage is, you might say, the highlight of the day, where everything surrounds me and self and I, 
when you when people see that you actually care about what you say and what you do, that, that leaves an impact in somebody's life. Let's look on. He says, therefore. And again, whenever you see therefore, find out why it's therefore. <laughs> I know that's corny, but it's true. And basically what he's saying, and whenever you find the word therefore, it is a, now that we've established this fact, now we're going to build on that thought. And, and, and in conclusion, and also in further building. So, um, you know, in other words, you don't get to step five from step one. You go through two, three, two, two, three, and four to get to step five. Well, he's going through, and you'll notice all the way through, like again, in verse seven, you'll find it. Verse one, you find it. He continually builds upon the previous thought. And this is what the Bible talks about, the logic of his word. Because the Bible is a logical book. Now, a lot of religions today aren't logical. They just aren't. They say things that make absolutely no sense at all. They, they expect you to believe things that there are no factual evidences for. One thing about the Bible is, we got some Smithsonian letters, by the way. If you'd like to pick one of those up, stop by the church office, we'll give you one. And it talks about how the Smithsonian Institute says that the Bible is one of the greatest books in antiquities for historical study. In other words, they can find the rivers, the streams, the towns, the coinage, you know, like the widow's mite or the denarius that Jesus held up whose face is on the coin. All that's, all that's verifiable. And they say that they can actually use the Bible for historical study. Where other books that were written, and, and I don't want to offend anybody here, but the Book of Mormon, they say they cannot find anything concerning history in the subject matter of the book. It's, it's in the office, pick it up, it's got the Smithsonian uh, heading right on it. Oh, I'm not attacking people here. I'm saying, look, you don't have to put your brain in neutral when you come into church. There's factual evidence for your faith. And that factual evidence, friends, is what allows us to have anchored in something rather than just being just drifting. So he says, therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, to governors who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. See, again, it's by your testimony. It's by your showing that you can submit to others. Timothy talks about this. Jesus himself talked about it. We remember they were saying, well, Jesus, should we pay taxes or not? They were hoping this was a trick question asked by the Pharisees in order to eradicate Jesus from their presence. They said, should we pay taxes or not? Jesus, of course, saying, no, don't pay taxes because the Jews hated the Roman government. Well, they, Jesus would be applauded by the Jews, but however, he would be arrested by the Romans for being an insurrectionist telling people not to pay taxes. And on the other hand, if Jesus said, pay your taxes, well, the Jews then would turn their back on Christ because they hated the Roman government. So they felt in the Pharisees' mind that they had a win-win question against Jesus to do away with him. Should we pay taxes or not? Boy, no matter which way he answers this, he's going down. You know what Jesus said? Show me a coin. Holds up a coin. Whose face is on the coin? Caesar's. Render to Caesar what Caesar, and to God the things that are God. Now, now, friends, that's exactly right. Now, what's really amazing, especially in the upcoming elections, 
is that we actually have a choice of who Caesar is. That's why every Christian needs to especially vote in elections. They said the percentage of Christians voting is less than people in the world voting. That should never be. Because they will determine much of your laws and what we define as a family. Whether homosexuals are, in fact, and indeed a family able to adopt children or not. All these things. And so, you know what I vote? I vote Bible. I look and see where these candidates stand on the issue. Not this sham stuff they put on television. This candidate really doesn't like, you know, whatever, whatever. I don't care about that. What are they as a man or a woman? What do they vote for? Who do they support? Did they support conservative, as an example, judges in the last, um, you know, when they were voting for Alito and some of these other people? How did they vote? And if they voted against them or if they voted for them, I want to know. That's going to make a determination on how I vote. Now you say, well, Mike, I don't think we should mix church with politics. Well, then we better cut this out of the Bible right here. Because he says, Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king is supreme, or to governors, or those that are sent by him, for punishment of evildoers, or for praise of those who do good. The only difference is, friends, you get to choose Caesar. So you better find out what Caesar stands for, and then vote. You say, well, Mike, I don't have time. Listen, you don't have time not to do anything else. For the sake of your children, for the sake of your relatives, for the sake of your friends... You're the watchers. God's entrusted this great thing for you. People say, now I think this is rather interesting because I listened to one of the liberal news media saying, the Christian vote, those Christians that vote are so frustrated with the immoral acts of some of these senators of late that they have just all decided not to vote in the upcoming election. Friends, if you believe that, you are being snookered by the media. They don't want the Christian vote tallied in to the next election. And if they can make you believe that, well, the Christians are frustrated. Yeah, I'm a Christian, so I guess I'm frustrated. Yes, I am. I won't vote. That's what they're doing. Look through this and see what's going on. See, again, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth, Jesus said. Just as he was light and he was salt, so are we. And so God wants to encourage you to be and to do those things. Again, you say, well... How is this important? Let's go back. Let's review. He says, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that's outside the Christian world, the the ungodly, that when they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, by close, careful observation, glorify God in the day of visitation. Wow. (laughs) You mean I do make a difference? Well, what does he say? Verse 9. You are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That's who you are. Don't ever forget who you are. The world will work overtime to whittle you down, to wear you down, to cause you to forget exactly who you are. Don't ever be ripped off by the lie of the world. This morning, as we looked at these verses, first of all, reaffirming who you are in Christ. You're special. You're holy. Second of all, your testimony. People do observe it. And then when God comes and knocks on the door of their heart, they make a decision whether they're going to serve God or not. And it transcends into every other aspect in the third, and that's the way we honor and view the government and view authority and view others. 
You see, I believe that's really important because uh, whether it says no matter what your authority is, whether it's your boss, whether it's a judge, whether it's your senators, whether it's your president in Paul's day, whether it was Caesar or whether it was the governors or whether it was the soldiers, how we observe those things. Is God God or is God not God? Well, we as Christians, we accept that. We say, well, Lord, you're Lord. Okay, then live like it. He says, I beg you, keep away from things that destroy your life. Those youthful lusts, you might say. Those things that promise to answer your needs, but in reality, leave you short. Leave you desiring. Leave you outside of God's best for you. The day of visitation, that's where people outside the Christian family come in. God knocks on the door of a person's heart. That's amazing. And there is that God-shaped vacuum inside every individual that says, what about life after death? Is it real? Hmm. We can enter into the three-dog night theology. (laughs) Swear there is no heaven, pray there ain't no hell. I wouldn't gamble eternity on bad theology. And the Bible says... Based upon what I read in the scripture, I know that there's something more to life than meets the eye. What's amazing to me is people that aren't even Christians realize that. That's why they get into their astrology and their Ouija boards and their tarot cards. Why they read their fortunes and they crack open their fortune cookies. Because there is something beyond what we see. I think God created that and put that in man to let you know. But the problem is there's so many voices. How do you know this is the right way? One third of the Bible is prophecy. Either predicting an event that would happen in the past, one of speaking of Christ Jesus, or one concerning the days yet to come. Something amazing is that in Luke chapter 21, Jesus said that Jerusalem would be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Friends, Jerusalem is under Jewish control. First time in 2,800 years since 1967. And when Jesus said that, it was under Roman control. And now, just as Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, Jerusalem would be under Jewish control once again. How did God know that? Lucky guess. (laughs) Well, then, Revelation 13. No one's going to be able to buy or sell unless they have the mark, the name, or the number on their hand or their forehead. Can you see the world headed for that? Absolutely. Charge cards are great, but the problem is people steal your charge card. So if we just had some way to attach the card to your hand, maybe a chip under the skin or something, then that way nobody could steal your account. Bible tells us of in Revelation 6, talks about the, um, the beasts of the earth devouring men. And we think initially, ooh, Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. But the word actually, beast, means any living thing. Then we read about biological warfare and we think, this is what it's talking about. You look at all the things that the Bible say that predicts our world, and then the Bible predicts what happens to a person that doesn't know him. And that leaves every person with a day of visitation. What are you going to do with Jesus? See, there's a time in our life, friends, where somebody can talk about Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Jesus Christ, you know, Buddha, Muhammad, you know, uh-huh. all falls in the same world. And then the day of visitation comes. And Jesus steps out as the Savior of your soul. What do you do? You see, and again, next time you study the Old Testament, check that out. Look at the day of visitation. 
Look at the day of visitation again for Pharaoh, for um, Nebuchadnezzar. When he had his dream, remember he had his dream of the image of gold and, and all that, uh, and the shoulders of silver and all. That was his day of visitation. Do you know what's interesting is he wrestled with God until finally God won out. And you find there in the book of Daniel where you actually find him praising God very much like David did in Psalms. Where finally Nebuchadnezzar understood who God was. You look at all the way through. Look at some of the kings in the Old Testament. Their day of visitation came and God revealed himself, and they looked right in the face of God and went, nah, and did their own thing, and were punished for it in, in, instead. So think about that for a minute. You play an important part in somebody else's day of visitation. This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, this may be your day of visitation. You might say, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I would invite you, I beg you, to let the Lord do what he wants to do in your life, and you will be the winner. Well, let's pray. And if you've never received Christ as your Savior, you know you need to get right with God. You know you've been playing games with Him. And now the Lord's real to you. Let's pray and let's say, okay, Lord, I want to get serious with you this morning. And from this day forward, I'm going to serve you instead of all the kooky things I used to do. And God will reveal Himself every day to you, His greatness and His goodness. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. God, I've lived outside of your love and I've been so selfish. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And so now I ask you to forgive me of every wrong thing I've ever done. I ask you now to fill me with your Holy Spirit. So I will have the power to live for you each day. That you would make me a witness for other people to observe. God, for them to see what you've done in my life. And thank you for eternal life. That I never have to be scared of dying again. But that I know you'll take me home to where you live forever. So Lord, I love you and thank you and praise you for all you've done. In Jesus' name. That's Pastor Mike Kessler with It's Time. I'd like to take this moment to invite you to get your free copy of It's Time to Grow, the new believers booklet written by Pastor Mike. It's Time to Grow answers many of the questions new believers have in a clear and concise manner followed by the scripture references for each statement made. It's Time to Grow can be yours simply by dialing 800-357-4226. That's 1-800-357-4226. Or you can order it online for free at csnradio.com. Don't forget, if you'd like a copy of today's program, you can call our toll-free line I mentioned before, and that's 1-800-357-4226. Also, the daily free podcast is available through iTunes by searching for It's Time in the iTunes Store. On behalf of Pastor Mike and all of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's time.